Welcome to the Smeichel Speaks podcast channel. I'm Joanne Smeichel, and I'm delighted that you tuned in for relevant leadership learning that will help you continue to soar. Enjoy this episode. I sometimes wonder, am I the only person in the world who gets weary from hearing about other people's problems, their misfortunes, and their issues? I try not to. I do try not to. But there are times where I'm just over it. And I'm certainly over all the bad news that's on every channel and every news outlet. I'm not saying I don't care. I'm not saying their problems aren't real. I'm not saying global disasters aren't important. All I'm saying is that I get depleted by caring. As I was working on um, editing or writing this podcast last night, what I realized is I'm actually in a state of compassion fatigue right this minute, right now. So much has happened in my life. Um, Death and sickness and other stressors with the business and just so much has happened. Um, And I am in a state of compassion fatigue. Uh, I do a lot of volunteer service and one of the organizations that I volunteer with, I'm telling you, if it is not one crisis, it's another. And it has worn me out. And working on this podcast surfaced that. So now that I shared that with you, potentially overshared, but it's where I am right now. You know, it was really heartening to learn that there's an actual name for what I'm feeling and it's called compassion fatigue. Yes, compassion fatigue. It has a name because it's a real thing that happens to real people. Let me tell you a little bit more about it. It's an indifference that arises after too much frequency with difficult or traumatic situations. It's the cost of caring for other people. It's the tax we pay when we absorb the pain of others. It's a distress that forms within us. It can be emotional, physical, spiritual, but it's distress. It makes it difficult to feel genuine empathy for others. Compassion fatigue is the cumulative impact of helping others and neglecting the self. Sometimes they call it secondary distress, secondary trauma, or vicarious trauma. As I said just a couple minutes ago, it's real, it's real, it's real, and a whole lot of us experience it. I didn't know what it was when I started not wanting to take calls from some people, uh, when I wanted to ignore emails from some organizations, And when I just didn't feel like being in some meetings and some social situations, I really thought I was just cranky and selfish. But now I know that these are signs of compassion fatigue. These are signs that I actually experienced, am still experiencing. And I know that one of those signs is the desire to withdraw. Don't get me wrong. There are times when in life it's healthy to come inward, but this type of withdrawal is different because it's the desire to escape the stressors that other people bring and to overlook opportunities for healthy engagement. 
It's the desire to be isolated, even from healthy, affirming relationships. How else are you going to know if you're experiencing compassion fatigue? One of my signs, and I might have said this just a little bit ago, is that I stop caring. And I mean that literally. I don't care about the person or their problem. I simply disengage, detach, and disconnect myself. I'm ashamed to admit this, but I may even stop praying for them. And I am ashamed to admit that, but it's true. Another sign of compassion fatigue is when normally optimistic people become pessimistic. They begin to expect the worst, to look for what's wrong, and to relinquish their optimism in favor of negative thought patterns. And another sign is feeling powerless or helpless or hopeless regarding situations, regarding people. It's a form of giving up. And there are no judgments here, okay? We experience times when we want or need to give up. I got to talk a little bit more about these signs of compassion fatigue. Feeling absolutely overwhelmed and exhausted from the requests for help. It's that drained, I don't have anything else to give feeling. It can cause us to neglect our own self-care because we're so busy running around meeting the needs of other people. Okay, since we know compassion fatigue is real, and we also know this is not an indictment on us, the question is, how are we going to manage it? How do we manage compassion fatigue? The first step is recognizing it. And the second step is being kind to yourself. All that compassion that you extend to others should now be turned inward so that you can take care of yourself. Remember, this isn't selfish. It's self-preserving. Yes, it's self-preserving. My kind-to-myself thing that I'm doing today after I leave the recording studio is I'm going to yoga. I love yoga. And there's a teacher that I really like. And I'm taking time in the middle of the day, not doing some of the things on my to-do list. And I'm going to yoga to be kind to myself. Next step is making the objective decision about who and what you need to step back or step completely away from. And for me, that's the hardest decision. It can sometimes feel like I don't care when I do care, but I just need a break to take care of Joanne. And sometimes I need to identify the toxicity and get it out of my life. Just get it out. There isn't a recipe or a formula for deciding who or what you need to remove yourself from. It's a process that requires you to dig deep, to examine relationships and examine values. It's a process that requires so much mindfulness. That's the tuning in, the observing of your feelings and thoughts without judgment. Know this and be aware of this. Your decisions may not sit well with others. There are going to be people with whom you've created a codependent relationship and they do not want to cut the cord. There may be people who have a vested interest in you continuing to be their support their bank, their problem fixer, or their whipping post. The stepping back is especially hard if you're in a helping profession 
and it's draining the life out of you. When you recognize compassion fatigue, you may also recognize the need to write a new chapter with a different career. I know that that is not an easy task, and the very thought of it can be scary, can be absolutely daunting. I want to give a quick review of where we've been so far with addressing compassion fatigue. First step is recognizing it. Second is the decision of who and what to cut. Three is self-care, taking really good care of yourself because the toll is physical, emotional, and psychological. So it's important for you to craft a plan for restoration. Identify the things that you need to do to heal from the strain of meeting other people's needs. That fourth strategy is that self-care stuff. I just talked about it, but it encompasses relationships. Go back to the affirming relationships that you need to deepen. Reconnect with your own cheerleaders, the people who support you. Create time, make time to be with them, to be with them. I mentioned the power of transformational learning in an earlier podcast. This requires you to take note of what you take in. Are you taking in too much news? What's the impact that your daily doses of news are having on you? I've been on a news fast for years, and you know what I know? The world keeps spinning without me paying attention to the endless news cycle. Are you spending too much time online and finding yourself sucked into depressing, demoralizing information or sucked into the vortex of perfect people, pseudo-perfect people, touting their fabulous lives Or are you sucked into these so-called thought leaders who are spewing rhetoric that gets you all riled up? Take a fast from online exposure. The fifth strategy for combating this compassion fatigue is what I just said. Reconnect to what matters, to what's meaningful in your life. I talked about reconnecting with positive people, but It's more than that. It's reconnecting with things that really, really have meaning and matter to you. The isolation and the detachment that are so common with compassion fatigue, they do have an antidote. And that's to remember what has meaning and to delve into that. A friend told me she was so wrapped up in her family's issues that she completely forgot All the things she enjoyed, things like dancing, going to the theater, listening to music. Don't allow someone to rob you of the things that have meaning. Don't allow a situation to rob you of what matters most. Sixth strategy for dealing with compassion fatigue is all about setting boundaries, clear boundaries. This is what you will and will not do. This is about how you use your time and invest your life's energy, your one and only life's energy. You have to think about what works for you and what does not. You'll probably need to express your boundaries verbally, and you're going to need to repeat them. That I know for sure. People treat us the way we teach them to treat us. That means helping them learn. New ways to treat you will take repetition and holding fast to your boundaries. 
My seventh and final strategy for overcoming compassion fatigue is to find humor in the world. To find humor in the world. So much of what we see is laughable. You know, you might want to watch a comedy, read a humorous book. I love those Stephanie Plum novels by Janet Ivanovich. Oh, my Lord. I can always crack up when I read those. And the Carl Hyacin novels about the goofball in Florida. I can't remember the lead character's name. But those are novels that make me laugh and make me just forget what's going on around us. So look for foolishness. Look for fun. Look for things that will make you laugh. Find ways to smile, to laugh, to experience joy. Joy is the antidote for stress, for pain, for weariness, for angst, and so many other elements of compassion fatigue. Be intentional in your quest for joy. As I wrap this one up, I need to say that compassion fatigue is real. It's real. Those of us who are givers or givers on steroids are prone to it. Getting past these periods of depletion requires a mindful focus on healing the self. I've offered seven strategies that you can use to refill and to refuel. But to refill and to refuel, not to find yourself drained again, rather to emerge with intentions about how best to invest in others while protecting yourself. You can do that. You can invest in others and still protect yourself. Love yourself enough to set boundaries. Take your power back by unplugging, disconnecting, redirecting, and moving forward with a care and concern for others that doesn't minimize the care and the concern that you have for yourself. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you got tools that you'll actually use and share. Subscribe if you haven't already. I add new and relevant leadership learning all of the time. If you haven't visited the Smichael Speaks YouTube channel, check it out. There's all sorts of new content. All of this is virtual leadership learning that will help you soar.